0: Salutations and shit, guys. Merry motherfucking Christmas. Actually, happy Kwanzaa. So uh, dual celebrations. uh, So anyone that may celebrate Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah. That, too, has coming on. Um, Actually, it's today Hanukkah? I feel like that might be today. No? I don't know. Well, I know Hanukkah is before Christmas this year. I just don't know what day. And uh, this is going to uh, be my present to you. Um, so, hope you enjoy, motherfuckers. I am a little bit excited about this week's episode. So, I was inspired by my beautiful hoodie here, and it says, uh, my Santa was a black woman. And uh, it's going to start off the episode, I guess, telling you guys how I found out Santa wasn't well, before I say he isn't real, right, let me just jump into the story. So the, the time that I my mother tried to put me on like, hey, girl, I did this, um, was a day. Never forget it. Because I, grown as I am, 34 years old, admittedly, without shame, still believe in Santa Claus. Hear me out, though. So. Um, oh, so D Carrie hosts your uh, new favorite travel podcast, "Travel and Ship," where I talk more about the experiences of travel, what was learned, what was experienced uh, with myself, and occasionally a guest or a few guests, and um, we kind of put to, I guess, not necessarily use, but we tie in how our travel experiences experiences can relate to um, common. Topics like uh, gender, race. I love talking about blackness abroad and, um, you know, different everyday topics that correlate to traffic or can be um, rediscussed through the lens of traffic. Uh, not traffic, fucking travel. You get where I'm going. So, that being said, I can, of course, parlay this whole Santa idea into travel. So, um, Let me first start you with my uh, Christmas story. I have always been a very imaginative and um, creative child. Always been my thing. And I vividly remember these were my Christmas experiences that lead me to believe that there's always some kind of, like, and by Santa, I don't think that some white, Dude shows up in, you know, the crib and leaves presents. But I do believe that there is a certain spirit of Christmas uh, that is embodied in the idea of Santa that makes things happen that somehow could not or should not, should not have happened. So I had to have been around five. And I was outside for some reason. So I'm assuming that it was Christmas night or because we, my family doesn't celebrate Christmas Eve. We're very much so Christmas. Um, and I was outside. It snowed that year. And for some reason I'm looking in the sky thinking that I'm checking for Santa Claus and, you know, the whole sleigh and reindeer thing. And I look down and I see this glowing uh, red circle under the snow. And I was convinced that Rudolph lost his nose and that for some reason Christmas was going to be on pause or that there'd be some type of difficulty in everyone getting their gifts because Rudolph didn't have a nose. So there's that on that. I vividly remember that. Additionally, my brother was born in November, uh, the November that I was five. So I'm like, oh damn, did – did I write in my letter, like, yo, I got a brother now? Like, was my Christmas list, like, was my Christmas, you know, shebang before I had a brother or after I had a brother? I was just concerned that now that my brother was here, he can't write a letter. So how's Santa going to know that this nigga needs gifts for Christmas, right? So all that being said, I was a little worried that my brother wasn't going to get anything because benevolent, okay? I am forever generous and forever a a woman of heart and merit. So (laughs) I remember coming down the stairs and as I'm looking to the corner where my mom, and to this day, if she puts up a tree, it's always in the same corner. So I'm looking to where the Christmas tree is and you could not tell me I did not see one stuffed animal and I'll never forget the stuffed animal. I don't know if my mama still got it or nothing, but it was, and I see it very vividly. It was a gray, like, fox, and it was, like, in a tracksuit. It had, like, the shiny blue shorts on. It had on, like, a white tank top. I think the shit said, like, USA. And it was, like, a fox that had, like, you know, arms and legs and not, like, on, you know, paws or nothing like that. It wasn't, like, on all fours. It was just in, like, you know, a human form, if you will. Like, it had arms and legs. It was gray, and it had, like, white whiskers, like, white puffs or some shit like that, but... I came down the stairs, I saw one, I saw like a sparkle or a glitter or something that I, five-year-old me saw this. And then there were two. So I'm like, oh, my nigga Santa remembered my brother. Like he came back and made sure my brother got one too. So I don't know <laughs> what I was thinking or what I experienced. But to this day, I will never forget those experiences and how they just were like, they really resonated with me. So it it's always something that I will remember that happened somehow in my mind on its own because of the magic of Christmas. So other than my birthday, Christmas will always be my favorite holiday because there's just something special about the energy of the holidays that, you know, just makes people happy, makes people, um, you know, I guess, a little more appreciative of the things that they have and the way that they're able to make things happen, even though they feel like they can't make them happen. And that, in turn, falls kind of into how I think travel kind of fell into my lap because for the longest, I didn't think travel was possible. And that's because I didn't think that I could afford travel. I mentioned before, I didn't leave the leave the country until I was 30 because I always had the... um the impression that I had to wait till I had a certain job, wait till I was making a certain, a certain amount of money and had a certain amount of just disposable income like saved up in an account that I could put towards travel. Um, that's not how I travel. At, at your own, I don't want to say at your own risk, but like note that I am single, no kids, and I literally have no responsibility other than myself and my dog. So it's easier for me to spend the money that I make on travel because I don't have anyone else to provide for. So that being said, understand that I get that if you have more responsibilities that your bag to pull from ain't exactly the same. But, um, so to the travel conversation, right? And I bought up my travel store. I mean my Christmas story because I got this hoodie and it's, So fucking soft. I mean, ridiculously soft. But I ordered this hoodie, uh, randomly saw Van Lathan, the the TMZ guy, if you guys aren't familiar with him. Otherwise, he has this incredible podcast called The Red Pill Podcast. And so I found him on Instagram, and I think he had a story, or I don't know what it was, but I saw that he was selling hoodies. And um, this hoodie definitely reminded me of the day my mom tried to tell me that she was Santa and I really wasn't with the shits. Oh, so, right, the hoodie reminded me of the story, and then I was supposed to tell you about the story. So I'm sitting, I don't know how old I was. I guess I was old enough. And I'm sitting on the floor looking at, you know, tissue paper, wrapping paper, playing with some shit, and my mama was kind of like, so did you get everything that you wanted? And I'm like, yeah, 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 everything's cool, it's cool, it's cool. Like, yeah, I'm really happy. And she was just like, all right, I really tried my best. And I was just like, you? but what do you have to do with mm? – I see what you're doing there. I see what you're trying to do. I understood that she was trying to imply that she was the one that provided for all of this. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, mm, yeah, girl, I get it. Like, y'all work together, whatever. So it's – I've always – held on to the notion that Santa Claus is real. And I explained to you that I don't think there's someone coming into the crib, but that there is some special magic that somehow when you don't have it, you end up finding it and you end up pulling it off somehow. And I also learned as a grown adult giving gifts to kids that children tend to kind of be excited about whatever the fuck you give them. I'd given my um, goddaughter some gifts like I was in my 20s. And the youngest one, Tia, I think I got her, and it's like at the time it was three of them. And I had gotten them like shirts from Old Navy because budget, right? And when I tell you just the sound of that baby opening the gift, she was so excited. She was like, it's what I always Wanted, and I was just like, girl, I think it was like a $10 shirt or like a $5 shirt because, again, budget and it's a bunch of y'all, there's a lot of kids and like adults, parents, and all that other kind of people I had to buy gifts for. But her appreciation for what I did do for her, um, that always resonated with me, and it was always one of those things that made me realize that a lot of times you've got this grandiose idea in your mind of what's good enough, and Sometimes you just doing your best or sometimes you just doing something is actually good enough. So that uh, got me to thinking and I was wondering what other kind of things did I believe to be true until I kind of had the bubble burst, right? What kind of things did I actively think were, you know, like normal or what did I have? What did I hold beliefs on that I didn't get to expand upon until I began traveling? And not just like misconceptions, you know what I mean? Just like I thought that they were pretty standard, if you will, right? So one of the first things that I definitely thought used to be like, one of the things I thought was true was that the exterior of a bu- the exterior, like the outside, the, the facade of a building is what determines whether or not it can be inhabited. Because, you know, here in the States, for the most part, if a building is extremely dilapidated, if you look at it and it's falling apart, it's crumbling, it's missing windows. And, you know, part of the bricks on one side are missing, um, not to the extent that there's an extra hole in the building, but like, you know, the bricks are visibly, you know, crumbling and just not all present like you you can see the the wear on the building right people aren't going to reside in those kinds of buildings Uh, people aren't going to have businesses in those kinds of buildings and learned that not to be true I went to Cuba and realized that buildings that if I were to see this exact same building in New York there would be nothing happening inside of a legal matter like it would be like, you know, trap house or something like that, or it'd be like a, you know, place where people when squatters go or something like that. But people aren't going to, you know, sell goods or prepare or, you know, offer services from a building like that. But in Cuba, absolutely can happen. You can watch people come in and out of a building that doesn't look like it's going to last any longer than your time it takes to walk from one end of the block to the other end of the block. But this is the way, like, people live in these buildings. And it was the same thing I showed on my um, on my Instagram that in Tel Aviv, the building that I was staying in, like, on the outside, it looked horrible. Like, I feel like there were three stories. I stayed on the first story, so I don't know how many stories were in the building. I think it was, like, three. But it was, like, they were missing windows from, like, all three of the, the windows – like there was no window it was just like the hole for the window it was like three or four different floors of like open windows it the the bricks looked real um they looked really it looked bad y'all the apartment looked terrible and thankfully i didn't notice when i first you know checked tried to check in if you will but the insides of these places look fine I got into, I showed you guys in, um, Tel Aviv, the, and you know, I showed you the outside and I had a video that I posted of the inside and it was a really comfortable apartment, had hot, um, had hot water. It was clean. I was comfortable. I had, you know, I felt safe while I was in there. Uh, same thing in Cuba, even though the outside of the building looked real janky, it looked crazy. You get inside, you've got, hot water, you've got a warm bed, like the apartment itself is nicely decorated. I um, had a fully functioning kitchen, didn't smell. You feel comfortable and you feel safe inside. So I learned from traveling that different, I guess, structural codes or different uh, expectations on what um, a usable building is aren't the same. So that was an eye-opener. Another thing... um, I assumed, if you will, that food codes were pretty global. Now, keep in mind, I'm thinking that food codes were global within reason. I'm not expecting to go to a small village where, say, there's no electricity or a village where, um, you know, indoor plumbing is... Uh, questionable whether or not you'll get it in all places. I'm not talking about traveling to areas like that. I'm talking about if I'm staying in an apartment that's got a sick-ass terrace and, you know, functioning appliances like a stove, a microwave, um, even possibly um, a TV in the apartment. I'm expecting that, you know, this is a modern area or like a modern space that's going to have, you know, restaurants or food establishments that are going to have certain regulations or normal regulations in terms of you're going to expect that they, you know, serve food a certain way. So in Cuba, probably also one of the best meals I've ever had abroad. um, I was shopping at a market across the street from, well, it was, if this is the beach, then I don't know if you can see me. Let me see if that makes sense. Yeah, like, say this is the beach. Like, this is, my hand here is the shore. This is water here where the soda can is. This is the side, like, you know, just regular street or whatever. And so they've got, like, um, tables and stands and little areas where you can purchase goods and all that kind of shit. Cross an actual street, and here are a bunch of, food stands, like many, um, not restaurants, but like stands, little fronts that have food pre- being prepared in the back. Now, I had a certain expectation, and so when the woman was putting my food into, I don't even remember, I think she put it, because I told her I wanted it to go. Well, the guy from the, the little marketplace walked me across the street and helped me order my food. Shout out to that guy. But I told them basically, you know, I'm not going to stand here and eat it, so I want to bring it back. So, you know, box it or something. Homegirl proceeded to not place the cigarette she was smoking down, but to take the cigarette out of her mouth and then, like, scoop my food into the box with the cigarette, with the hand that had the cigarette in it. So it's kind of like, She's got the cigarette uh, uh, y'all. She's with, you know, plopping the food in the box with the cigarette hand. So, I'm like in my mind it's like I'm now getting cigarette ash in my food because same hand. Um and of course, it's outside, flies. There are flies just floating and flying and landing and she is oblivious to the flies. She continued to scoop. The fly would land on the side of the box while she's scooping, and she's not even swatting it away. And it was horrific to watch, but it's, I mean, I'm in a new place, so I don't know what the norm is. And, I mean, she didn't hawk back and spit into my plate. You know what I mean? But its it was very, like, alarming to me to watch how what i mean like no gloves nothing you know what i mean like she used the spoon to touch everything but it's just like in the states you're used to certain things like even if you get food from a food truck gloves it's a thing um you know it just that was not that didn't happen in this instance that well i bet you a bitch ate that shit though i still ate it didn't get sick amen thank you he's good uh, But it was so good. So, so, so good. But it really set me back. Like, it really, like, alarmed me at t- just to see it. And it was one of those things where it's kind of like I had to check. I don't want to say, like, my privilege because I feel like it's not it, – it's kind of a right to have clean food and clean drinking water for everybody, not just, you know, people that come from very well-established countries or anything like that. But – just a reminder that everyone's norm isn't the same. And just because you're used to things a certain way doesn't mean that that's everyone's norm. And just because something isn't necessarily normal doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to kill you also. You know what I mean? Like we're all aware that, oh, and if you don't know, chances are summertime, Mr. Softy don't wash his hands. Okay. I used to um, fuck with a guy back in college that drove a Mr. Softy truck and that nigga saying never fucking worked. It ain't never worked. So he wasn't washing his hands, y'all. Um, and I know plenty of other trucks where the sinks weren't work weren't working. And these is just regular people. So people don't wash their hands. So yeah, gross. Consider those things. What was the other thing? Okay, this one pricing and travel. So back to like what I had started saying to you guys before. I had the misconception that everything about travel was expensive because when you see travel, generally you're portrayed a vision of luxury travel. You're shown shit like, you know, um, Four Seasons, you know, really expensive hotels and, like, these really, um, I guess you can say, luxurious accommodations and um, just real incredible-looking spaces and places where people go. And you just look and you just think, oh, my God, like... I don't have, in your mind, you're pricing it. You're putting a price on what it is that you're seeing. You're not necessarily um, looking up what the price is. You're just assuming when you don't know any better, right? So I had the, under. it was, I had the misconception. It was um, a belief that I had that everything about travel was going to be really expensive. But it's also, what was really funny about that is that, I wasn't oblivious to the idea that things are cheaper in other countries, right? So it's one of those things where something that you can believe to be true kind of shifts when you actually see it put into practice. So here we go. The most expensive thing about travel generally is the airfare. Well, that's, the thing that's the least negotiable. You have different ways to find inexpensive airfare and um, ways to travel, but it's, it is it is what it is. You don't set the the price on what your flight's going to be. I mean, unless you got that kind of hookup, then it is what it is. May it, you know, May the odds ever be in your favor, y'all, whatever. But that being said, it's generally the most expensive thing about when you travel. So, oh, good, thank you. <laughs> so it's usually the most expensive thing about traveling, and once you get there, the rest of the travel don't doesn't have to be expensive. You don't have to stay in um a a five star hotel Airbnb's a thing uh couch surfing we learned is um a thing. you can go to a hostel there are a lot of different affordable ways to travel that don't include you sleeping, you know, under a bridge someplace. It it it's definitely possible to travel within whatever the budget is that you're setting. So I had to really re I guess re um not repackage but What's the word I'm looking for? I had to set the, move the bar on where I thought travel could start. So it's not always cheap, but you can go. And then also it's one of those things where it's, um, it is a privilege. So there's an understanding that if you're concerned with basic needs, like you're not sure If you're going to have your rent every month, if you're not sure how you're going to pay for groceries or food or gas or making sure your utilities are paid, if you're unsure of how the basics are going to get met, then of course you're not necessarily going to be able to um, think of spending 500 to a thousand dollars on something, but keep in mind you don't even have to spend a thousand dollars. I always like to remind people the, was the first time I think was the first time I went to Europe, my flight and my accommodations cost me $600 and 22 cents. That was my flight to Barcelona. And I'm pretty sure I had a layover someplace. I don't remember where I had a layover, but I had a layover someplace. So I went to Barcelona, had a layover someplace and paid for my Airbnb, which was actually an apartment. Granted, it was, like, an hour outside of Barcelona, give or take, about 45 minutes, an hour outside of Barcelona. But it only ran me $600 round-trip flight with a layover in another country and my Airbnb in Barcelona, $600, y'all. So you can do full-ass trips for less than $1,000. And, like, I've shown you guys with my six-piece in a carry-on series, there are plenty of ways to find really inexpensive excursions, experiences, and things to do while you're in these destinations, so you also don't have to break to break bank. You don't have to spend another six hundred dollars just to do um, some wild, you know, excursion or safari or you know trip or whatever you've seen somebody else do just because you've seen like the most expensive option. Doesn't necessarily mean that that's something you have to do, and it doesn't mean that that's the only way to enjoy yourself at that destination. So keep in mind also that pricing is relative. I still have the same headphones that came with the phone. Like I refuse to spend money on AirPods. I was asking Shah what the most expensive set of AirPods runs. Right, he said two fifty. So. Between $150, because I've seen them on sale at, say, Best Buy, um, to $200, right? So let's go to one of my favorite apps, which is Skyscanner. And we're going, no, not Skip Black. Skip Black is is also pretty um, useful. So all I did was go to the Explore page. I go to Explore Everywhere. I always fly out of JFK when possible. And you're going to put in everywhere. And let's just say that you have flexible vacation, right? That's going to be the easiest way. Or say you're going to, when I say flexible vacation, I mean you can book your trip, then request the time off and say, hey, I would like to not be here because I just booked this flight. Um, Let's see. First place out of the country. Canada from 171. DR, 190. Mexico, 195 and this is round trip y'all um because yes this is round trip i double checked it's these are round trip prices uh let's see so dr is 190 mexico 195 el salvador 205 guatemala 214 spain 219 cuba 235 france 236 costa rica 247 and topping us out at 252 is U.S. Virgin Islands and Denmark at $253. Round motherfucking trip. So you can travel for the price of a set of AirPods. And I'm not saying that to, like, demean you or make you, like, think that, oh, well, you trying to say, like, I shouldn't have bought uh, AirPods or whatever. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying to you that pricing is relative. A lot of people would like to think that things are way more expensive and then make that the kind of reason why they don't do it. You have to consider what's important to you. If AirPods are important to you because you work with your hands a lot and you dress or you're doing things where cords are going to get in the way often, then that's an important purchase for you. Reasonable. Me, I'm not really doing much of nothing that the cords, it'll be annoying sometimes, but I'm not, going to really be doing anything where I can't just untangle myself and keep going. So the same money that you would have spent on AirPods, you could book a flight, a round trip flight to how many places was that out of the country? We stopped at Denmark. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 10, 11 different countries. You can also go, of course, to the United States as low well as $98 round trip and Puerto Rico, $141 round trip. But, If you're trying to leave the country, you can absolutely do so in almost any different. um, At this point, they're mostly all warm, but except for, you know, France and Denmark, which are a little cold right now. But that being said, you can see the world for the, the cost of a set of AirPods. And also keep in mind, you don't necessarily have to pay for everything in one shot. If you can plan out in advance, you can spend, or you can, I guess you could say, you can buy your flight when it's most affordable to you. If you know you want to go to France, then you can use a ton of different apps, SkipLagged, Skyscanner, Google Flights, whatever it is you choose uh, to use. I know a uh, former guest of mine, Gabby, from Pax Light, um, started using a new app so head over to her instagram page uh pax Light. scroll through some of the pictures and see if she has it listed or I th- it was in her story in her stories a while ago but i'm sure if you reach out to her dm her you know show some love first don't just randomly pop up but you know tell her i sent you if you'd like um but go to pax Light or pax she not only has a lot of these travel opportunities but she's also, uh, really great with just you know travel tips and stuff like that. And I know she um, mentioned a new app that she's been using for really inexpensive airfare. And um, in my mind, I'm going to check it out, but I just haven't been thinking about my next vacation. I mean, I haven't been thinking about it, but I haven't gotten into actual planning mode. But all that being said, you if you've got the flexibility of paying for or well, not paying, but um, scheduling something further in advance, Like if you know that you want to do, like my homegirl was talking about, she's going to, I don't remember, let's just say uh, Guatemala. She's going to Guatemala in September. I'm like, September's a whole year away basically. That's like it's nine months after the new year. And she's like, not everybody just picks up and goes. People think that I pick up and go. It's just I'm a last-minute planner, so it assumes that I pick up and go. But for the most part, I know when I have vacation within the different quarters of the year. So if I know that I'm going, I know I'm going someplace the end of January. I ain't really talking about it yet because I don't really have any plans. All that being said, you can book your flight, take a break, take a breath, recoup some bread, and then book your Airbnb. You can find really good Airbnbs the same day. You can find, and by same day, I mean like the same day like you arrive kind of thing. Uh, you can find a good Airbnb two months a week before, a couple of days before you decide to go to an area. Now, of course, you're going to have more options if you book them out further in advance, but I don't really do very well with a lot of options. It's kind of like when I think I want wings, and I get to the restaurant, and I see they've got 37 different flavors of wings, and then 17 other things other than wings that I could fucking eat. Now, all of a sudden, I'm fucking confused. I don't know what I want. I don't know what I have a taste for. If I get wings, what kind of wings do I want? If I get wings, do I want beer or do I want liquor? Am I feeling like wine today? I Distractions. They All the options turn into distractions, and then I don't know what the fuck to do with myself. So that being said, I also kind of like picking an Airbnb much closer to the time that I'm going to arrive because I have fewer options, and at that point, it's just like, all right, what's available to me? What can I afford? what looks nice, and what's near what it is I want to do. So that being said, keep in mind that pricing is relative. You don't have to pay for it all in one shot. A lot of different, um, I believe airlines offer it now. I think Expedia even offers it. But an option for you is to um, pay your trip off in installments. I'm not um, against booking your entire trip, Through, um, one party. If you decide to use, um, a travel agent or something like that, a lot of them will let you pay in installments. Um, I know if you're going on a cruise, my cousins and I tried to look into doing a cruise together. We were going to pay that shit off in installments. Um, a lot of, there are a lot of different options and a lot of different ways in which you can pay for it. Um, consider, one credit card that you know has got a relatively low limit or so, like say you have a card that's got like, I don't know, a $2,000 limit. If that bitch is maxed out, say when I pay that down to halfway or when I pay that card off, my treat is going to be now booking a trip for myself. This way you can then pay it off in installments. I don't know. Just think of something that helps your ass get your goals accomplished, right? Right. Um, so, oh, also in the same vein as paying for things in installments, consider your cell phones. They don't give these bitches away for free anymore. So you're paying an installment on your fucking phone every month. So the same $45 you're paying on your cell phone, the same $35 or whatever you're paying, consider putting that money that like that passive money into an account that you don't really, um, you don't fuck with too often if you've got another even if it's not necessarily a savings account, if you just have a checking account someplace or a lot of uh, banks will let you open another checking account and not really fuck with like what the minimum has to be in there. Or if you keep above a certain amount, they won't charge you for the account, whatever the case may be. I know um, I bank with chase and um, I opened a separate checking account so that I could keep my savings separate from my, um, you know, my regular, Swipe, 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 No, you know, swipe card, my regular debit card. This way I would have access to the funds should I need it, but the funds would still be separate. So consider taking the time to go to HR, get one of them direct p- deposit forms and have it so that $45 or $50 comes out of every check and goes into an account that you don't frequently access so that every couple of months you check in and it's just like, oh, I got $500 sitting here. Every time you get to $500, consider booking, you know, something travel-related. Or even if travel isn't necessarily your thing at this point, you could use that shit for Christmas so that by the time Christmas next year comes around, you're not scrambling around looking for bread or you're not, you know, concerned with whether or not you're going to tap into money that you wanted to spend on something else on, you know, doing for other people so definitely consider if you're doing little things here and there, small bills that you think like small bills that you're willing to incur for different things in your life, consider that same amount just going someplace, just someplace that's not in your in your immediate reach so that when the time comes or when a certain when you reach a certain financial goal or milestone, you're then going to be able to take that bread and do something that you want to do, whether it be um, paying for the next flight, paying for, you know, the entire trip or whatever it is you're looking to do with, you know, that money. Uh, What was the other thing I said? Um, Yeah, it's the same thing. Oh, another thing that I believed to be true but didn't know until I started traveling was what the fuck actual fruits look like. I'd never seen, like, a non-genetically modified avocado. So when I finally saw what they actually looked like, I was shocked. I didn't know oranges were actually green. Uh, Learned that in Cuba. There was something else that I saw over there that I couldn't remember what it was. But I just remember there being a bunch of different fruits that I had never seen, like, grown naturally. Oh, like bananas. I think, um, like, actual bananas, like, have seeds in them or... It was just, it didn't dawn on me how processed a lot of our food is here in the States. And so seeing it and eating it overseas was like a really mind opening experience because even though a lot of this shit we're paying for it to be organic, it's still not what it looks like in nature. Like, Tilapia. It ain't even, tilapia doesn't even occur in the wild. Like, my dad told me that, like, a couple, I think he told me a couple years ago. I mean, when I'm down and out, I'll still buy some tilapia. Shit is good. But it's just like, here in this, I just feel like in the United States, we, the stuff that we're okay with ingesting in a lot of cases, it gets a little, and people like to think that, like, so many third world countries are just, oh, they don't have this kind of food and they don't have that. and but, but a lot of the shit that they're eating is actually grown from the ground. It's fresh and it's not, you know, designed and engineered, you know, not to say that all things designed and engineered are bad. I have definitely tried in that little vegan wave that I was in, you know, a lot of um, plant based things. And even some of those things kind of, you know, how are you? plant-facing this meat, like the Impossible Burger. My My parents picked me up from the airport a couple weeks ago. We went to Burger King. I was ready to order some nuggets. My mom's like, I want an Impossible Burger. And I said, you know what? Let's do it. So we tried it. That bitch is good. It's fucking delicious. And I've never had a Whopper. I have never had a burger from Burger King. I've never had a burger from McDonald's. I've only tried, I tried a, Burger from Wendy's back when I was 25. And that was because I was in this phase of trying something new every day the month before I turned 25. I had an incredulous quarter-life crisis. But that aside, um, yeah, the shit was delicious. I don't know what the fuck is in there. Say it's plant-based, but you can engineer and – chemicals and things with plants too y'all so i don't know what all this plant-based stuff that ain't really plants or is it you know i don't know it's kind of weirding me out um oh then it's um then there was the thing of what was it my idea of public transportation in new York trash It's disgusting, it barely works, and nobody really wants to be on it. We're doing it because we have to, or we're doing it because in some instances it's more convenient. It's easier to get on the train to get to Manhattan than it is for me to drive to Manhattan and from Manhattan from work. But in other countries, not only is the shit cleaner, a lot of times it makes more sense. In Austria, when you come down the stairs into their subway system, there is a list on like the column, like the wall between the two different sides of the tube that tell you which side to go to to get to what station it is you're going to go to. So say you're going to... Red Handle is the stop that you're looking for. You Go down the list of stops and it's showing you that red handle. You're going to go this way. When you get to this side of the tube... There's another listing of where Red Handle falls in the line of different stops. So you're going to go all the way down here and say, oh, here's where I am. Red Handle is four stops the fuck away. In Tel Aviv, there are buses. I don't really like taking buses abroad, because, especially if it's a different language, because if you don't understand the language, it's hard to read the street signs. So it was a little difficult, but I figured out that um, there... Uh, buses go by intersections. So once you figure out what's going on, it's, it becomes a little easy to navigate. Also them shits is fucking clean. The cleanest bus I ever rode in my life was in Bermuda. When I tell you, I thought like I was not necessarily on a coach bus cause it's set up just like our buses, but you're looking at beautiful ocean on both sides of you. There's absolutely no eating on the bus. Everybody abides by that shit. And it's like people aren't throwing trash on the floor. They're not having loud conversations on the phone, at least not the bus that I was on. So it was a really great experience riding the bus in Bermuda. And that train in Tel Aviv was fancy as fuck. I think I posted a picture of that on the Instagram also. That shit looked nice. Like swinging doors, huge-ass bathrooms. Somebody opened the door to come out or into the bathroom. The bitch looked clean on the train. So, yeah, public transportation It's not a total shit show everywhere else in the world. So if you're traveling, I always, always, always suggest if unless like taxis are like $10, wherever you're trying to go, take the train. Um, A lot of times it's faster. It is clean. And it gives you um, an experience that you, you know, wouldn't necessarily have gotten otherwise. And you're able to, um, depending on how the train is set up, if it's above ground, underground, you can see a lot of the different um, neighborhoods along the way to where it is you're staying. So there's more to see, you know, as opposed to just the area you're going to be in. And the last thing that I wanted to mention is that my understanding of a minority was shifted. Um, you guys can run back a few episodes to the one that I had with um, with I think her name is Mickey, uh, one of my guides from Shanghai. We were passing by a school, and she mentioned that it's a minority school. So. I'm not oblivious that minorities are just the minority of the group. Whatever the whole is, whatever the demographic of the smaller portion of that group can make you the minority. You can be a woman, you could be the minority in a group. You could be a redhead, you know, and that's the minority of the group. But just because you have an understanding of something doesn't mean that the application of it always, um, I guess, resonates for you. So the idea that in a society where everyone is basically the same, like they're all Chinese, I would not have anticipated like just the idea of a minority period. And it just wasn't as pronounced of a difference for me because I'm an outsider. So for the people that are in China and the people that are from the different groups, to them it's obvious, but to me coming from a minority group, from where I am, it just definitely, definitely fucked with my head hearing that someone that didn't necessarily identify with the qualities or um, markers of what a minority was in my mind, like it applied differently in another context. So that was definitely one of the more like, big things in terms of what my understanding of something was, what I believed to be true, um, that definitely changed. So, it's Christmas. I hope you guys are having a really great holiday this year. Happy Kwanzaa. I definitely suggest that you guys go back to, it was definitely one of the first um, episodes. Let me see episode Black Travel Movement. It was episode 13. Double back and check that one out. That was a really fun uh, Kwanzaa edition that I did. Um, So Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever holiday you celebrate. I hope everybody had a good one. hope everybody has a safe one. Um, Don't forget that with all these gift cards that you're getting, And in any aspect where you might be returning gifts, consider also spending that money with black businesses. So there's always um, a good uh, time to revisit different people that I've mentioned in the past episodes and um, definitely check out dcarry.com where I will actually put those links up if you haven't seen them already. Um, You know, I appreciate you guys gifting me with your listens and your streams and um Since we're on the topic of gifts, tell your people, tell your friends, tell them to listen to the podcast and um, enjoy travel conversations together. All right, guys. Bye. Happy holidays.